Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson, and this is part six of our series on everyday disciples living ordinary lives with gospel intentionality. In this series, we've been interviewing disciples from across Soma, Los Angeles. These disciples are a lot like you. They have dreams, passions, jobs, responsibilities, and all the while, the incredible calling to be sons and daughters of God, to be citizens of the kingdom of Jesus, and to be missionaries sent by the Holy Spirit into every place that God has given them. In each episode, we're talking to these disciples uh, who have unique vocations or roles in life. Our hope is that you'll be incredibly encouraged just hearing their stories, just hearing the gospel spoken through these disciples' mouths, but also that you'll grow in your appreciation of God's mission to put disciples in every part of society, and also that, that you'll know how to encourage others in your community even as you hear our conversation. And lastly, that you'll be inspired knowing that these people's stories are just like yours, that whatever circumstance God has placed you in, you're there for the sake of his mission. And not only that, you're also there with God himself who is reminding you of the gospel, your identity, and your calling to be a son and a daughter of God. Today's episode is about engineers and rocket scientists. I'm not joking. I'll be talking with three of the smartest, kindest, and loving people I know each of whom who work as engineers in the aerospace industry in Los Angeles. I'll be talking to Sarah, Derek, and Chris. These are normal people, and these are their stories. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. All right, guys, welcome to the Saturate Podcast. Sarah, Chris, and Derek, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. It's my pleasure, always. One of the things uh, we're doing in this series is we're talking to people and all sorts of different jobs, occupations, careers, even situations in life. Uh, and so today we're going to be talking about engineering and just working in that aerospace field, which is where each of you guys work. As a kid, I just thought that someone was really good at Legos, and then they one person built everything and figured out how things work. And then I watched TV shows about how things work, and I thought, Man, that's what engineering is. But you guys are totally different than my imagination. So maybe we can start off by you guys just kind of describing what it is that you guys do. You all work for different companies, different parts of the city. But maybe you could just share a little bit about what you're doing and maybe even how you got into this field. We'll start with Sarah. So how I got into the field, I'll start there because that's always the, the most fun place to start. I just loved math and science, and so that's what brought me. It was a gift that I had. It was something that was exciting to me to figure out like how the world worked. Yeah, so that was exciting, and that's what got me interested. And then when I started actually taking engineering classes and, I don't know, learning more about the just expanses of how everything had to be created so intricately to work, that's really mm. what kept me excited about delving deeper into it and applying 
math that somehow describes our world. That was really a unique part that interested me. And then day-to-day work, it's a normal day job, I would say, uh, (laughs) in the office. Lots of interpersonal relationships. You have to rely on other people to get your job done. It's not just you. And yeah, (laughs) I don't know much more to say. (laughs) That's great. How about you, uh, Chris? Similarly to Sarah, I definitely excelled in you know math and science in high school and in college, and I didn't have any specific designs on like aerospace industry, but it was the the one job that I had here in California to bring me back from where I went to college in New York. So I took it, and I've been there uh, about twelve years now. And what has excited me there and has kept me there is I'm more from an operations background. So we actually build uh, some hardware at my company and getting to be a part of uh, you know, the manufacturing process and seeing how to uh, do things more efficiently and reduce variability and, and see how you can you know, essentially get waste out of uh, the build process. That's always piqued my interest and, and made me excited. Hmm. That's awesome. How about you, Derek? I think I, I enjoyed a lot of things um, growing up in math and science and like learning how things work and taking them apart, figuring out how they work and like in designing and coming up with new ideas was just one of them. But it was the one that I felt like I could be employed by and like earn a stable income. So that's what I did and kind of like tried to figure out where I wanted to be in college and took a little longer, but then ended up working in the aerospace field and really have enjoyed it. I work in a pretty high paced manufacturing environment where I'm constantly like challenged to figure out how to do something a new way because it's often being Mm -hmm. changed. And so I think that's what I really enjoy is just having to solve a new problem almost every day. Hmm. So you guys are just expert problem solvers. You're removing waste from the world. You're, you're putting things into the atmosphere or something like that it's all mysterious but uh and more than i can understand but it also sounds like it's very just normal like that's what sarah was saying it's just a normal work environment and it's you have coworkers and you have to rely on them and it's relational and there's stress and there's goals yeah it's really cool uh one of the things that i've been curious about in this series is is kind of how people answer this question uh, because one of the things we believe is that you know God is present with us all the time that God's always revealing himself uh, but often I think we think of the workplace uh, and our careers as something where like God stops or sometimes we just fail to see that but one of the questions I had for you guys is uh, how does God reveal himself to you in your work and and even your need for him? As you work, I think for me, what was most eye-opening, it was a couple years back, and as you were just saying, Brad, you know, it's a in a lot of ways, it's a normal job. We have coworkers, we depend on people, and God really opened my eyes when a coworker was having a a baby, and it was someone I worked with pretty closely, and God really challenged me of saying, Chris, do you really care for this person? as if, you know, she was a part of your church or as a part of your, um, you know, missional community or as a part of your family, because I didn't get her a gift. 
I didn't, you know, want to, you know, celebrate her or, or share mm. with the rest of my coworkers, you know, the excitement of her having a baby. And God really challenged me like, Chris, do you really see these people you work with as worthy of love and care? That's really when God changed it for, for me of really like showing me my need for him at work and how I was leaving him at the door every day mm. and how I really need to carry him along with me uh, and be changed by him throughout the day, not just outside the walls. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Even just, you know, you're saying the the challenge of seeing your coworkers as and treating them as family. That's pretty cool. So like in your workplace, you guys are all super like you excelled in mathematics and science and you know you've done all this schooling and so have all your coworkers, I would assume, right? So probably like a lot of smart people in the room uh, or people that think they're smart or they probably really are smart. What is it like even when you think about sharing the gospel or talking about things about God with your coworkers? I would say it's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. I work, like you said, with a lot of people who are smart and they like were the top of their class or the star people on their Mm -hmm. um, project. And they know they're smart and they know they're capable. And there's just this general consensus that like we can solve all our problems. Mm -hmm. Um, We are saving humanity. We are taking ourselves to the next thing. And even just even hearing in conversations and passing, like, you know, God mentioned or something in the context of like a myth or fairy tale that like someone who's weak Mm. needs to believe. And so, yeah, I think I'm very intimidated to even, even admit that I'm a Christian, let alone like share like what the gospelers or who Jesus is to me. And that's something that like, I'm trying continually to like fight that fear. Yeah. I would say also that they are also educated and extremely logical, but they're very self-reliant. To get through a degree in engineering, you have to be very dedicated and hardworking. And so to go in and even bring up a conversation about how (laughs) I need Christ, that's not something that a lot of people can wrap their mind around because in their minds, they are self-reliant and they, they do provide. For themselves and get themselves through it. So it's hard to bring it up when you know that that's sort of how their brain's wired to even just say that is they don't get that at all. <laughs> yeah, that, I've never even thought about that. That makes so much sense. Even, yeah, that they're like, so self-reliant. So even like their endurance, their perseverance, their drive, but also just their ability to, to solve most problems and all of that. That's yeah, even even take the laws of nature and and bend them towards, you know, their their own uses, incredible uses. But still, like, yeah, I can see how that would be very intimidating. Of like, well, then who needs? Do I really need God if I can do all that? What are what are other ways that you guys are challenged or or see God revealing Himself to you in your work? I think for me, it's this idea that I need to become more comfortable of of sharing my own, you know, journey through life. Just, you know, again, kind of being a very analytical, you know, culture, I'm more used to uh, asking questions. I, I have more of a, a leadership and manager role. And so I'm not really 
providing a lot of you know work products and are more overseeing and asking questions. And I found that God is showing me that I don't actively share about my own just personal life or journey. Mm. And because of that, it's really hard for me to find ways to bring God into the conversations and my relationships uh, with Jesus Mm. and talking about that openly because I'm so used to asking questions or try to include people that I I struggle to uh, find ways to relate my own faith journey as the way to open the door to the gospel story. Mm. One of the ways that God reveals himself to me is just how needy I am of him in the midst of what I'm doing. I work in a pretty stressful like environment, like it's almost meant to be that way. And uh, it's easy to like lose my patience with other people and people to lose their patience with me. And I find I'm faced so readily with my sin and like that hurts because like I don't want to be a bad witness. I don't want to be representing Christ Mm -hmm. badly. It also hurts because it's like I realize like I can't do this myself. I need Jesus strength. I need um, the fruit of the spirit, um, patience, goodness, kindness in me. And it's like, it's not there. And I, unless like I'm reliant on him and that's something I'm not normally like going naturally going to like reach out for when I'm in that environment. Cause it's so much about what we can do ourselves and the problems we can solve mm. and how we can like overcome these things. And so it's, it's like kind of like having a foot in two worlds. And I know that we want to talk about like the integration of like all of life and it's like not separate but it feels yeah. like separate in my mind, like straddling like two kingdoms almost. And like I'm living in an alternate reality on top of like the reality I'm in and need to be like very um, dependent on God. And like, I can't really get through the day without like praying often and like, coming back to him. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'd say that the way I most often encounter Christ in my work day is also through like that relationship aspect, similar to what Derek was saying that there's so many challenging relationships and, and healthy ones, but seeing my need of Christ that like, I, I don't have the grace to give this person. So I have to rely on the spirit to provide that daily. Mm-hmm. And it's really that interaction that points me back to Christ. And it's nice to have other people that, go through that to also point you back to it when you're complaining about someone and can't figure out how to fix it. And they're like, well, you don't have to fix it. Like God, you've got something so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably the the main way I encounter God in the workplace. Yeah. I can imagine that so clearly. I think it's so funny that we always think about each person's jobs being so special and so unique. At least I do. But then even as I've recorded these conversations with different people in our body that comes up so much is just like the relational brokenness of humanity is just so expressed at every level of society and, and work comes down to so often just praying for endurance and patience, seeing our need for Jesus uh, just to relate to other people, but then also comes down to this like compassion and empathy that we even have for, for our coworkers. That's really cool. What are some of the the things at your work that are just super exciting or like those are some of the challenges, but then what are some of just like the things that are, that are just really 
fun about where God's called you? I think for me, it looks like getting to work in an environment that is never boring. And I think some of the most fun things are like when I get to have those very relational like moments with coworkers Mm -hmm. or like talking about a particular problem or thing or working on or a part design or like how something's made and we're like a team and we're working together and we're helping each other. Even just like watching how the different pieces of hardware and things we've built, like have performed in tests and um, in flight, being able to like celebrate that together and get excited about it. I think my reaction is a little different than theirs. Um, I'm excited about what we did, but I'm also like awed by the wonders of the harsh environments and of like the sky and space and like getting things to space and all of that, that it's just, it's, it's incredibly difficult and it's also incredibly amazing. Like the grandeur of like God's creation. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like I can at least connect with them in the sense that like, we both are like contributing to human flourishing mm-hmm. and that's something that I know like is good in the eyes of God as well. And it's like worthwhile. Um, and he wants his children to do that. And so it's those moments that I can share that. And I know we're doing that together. Um, even though they may not share my perspective about like, who's really in control of everything. Yeah. That seems like a kind of a double celebration of, on the one hand, it's like the camaraderie, the teamwork, all of us contributed to see this goal like accomplished and something perform really well. But then the other side of it is, I think you're describing this awe of like, wow, like we all like participated in this and we're all like really smart and we had this funding and we, and we saw this thing like touch the heavens and like it just kind of expands your vastness, like you're all of just like God's creation. So it's kind of like that double celebration. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Chris and Sarah, do you guys relate to that? Definitely. I would say that another aspect of of that particular vein that Derek was describing is that we actually get to, I don't know, be that reflection of God's character in our creativity. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I get excited about at work when I see a group of people brainstorming on a whiteboard, let's say something as cheesy as that. Um, Yes, we do that. (laughs) (laughs) and that is us imaging god so that is something that i find exciting yeah for me similarly the kind of the people aspect you know as i get to oversee my team god is showing me how much i get to you know be jesus to them by serving them Mm. Um, i find myself actually having to work longer hours because i spend a lot of my work day you know helping my team and answering their questions or, you know, teaching them to actually, you know, how to do a task or how to, right. you know, relate to somebody else. And and God's really shown me what a beautiful picture of, of Jesus that I get to be to my coworkers because, yeah, I, I just get to serve them. And, and it's been really eye-opening to see the beauty of servant leadership uh, through my job. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I think engineering probably has some of the most stereotypes of many professions what would you guys say like for because a lot of people that listen to this will be will have friends that are engineers people in their community they'll be pastors of engineers so even for me what are the misconceptions about like 
who you are as a person and how you process the world. I mean, for me, being an engineer, I definitely see the world much more like mentally. I am not so much of a, an emotional processor. Um, I very much am uh, kind of as Sarah and Derek have both said, very logical, uh, very much in my head. Like I primarily process data through reading and uh, thinking through things and, and less of, you know, outwardly perceiving or feeling them. Yeah. So you're saying that one, that stereotype is legit for you. Definitely for me. <laughs> that's good. And that's true. I mean, we, we hang out a lot. So I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are all in the same uh, missional community. And you guys moved my whole family in like a few hours. And we didn't have a moving truck. You guys just came with pickup trucks. And uh, I can attest to like the problem solving, putting together the building of uh, the fitting of all objects that we own perfectly on these pickup trucks and safely and moving it like five miles. That was super impressive. So I was like, oh, this is the MC to bring over to like, you know, strap these things <laughs> down and fit things in perfectly. It was amazing. <laughs> And I mean, we felt incredibly loved. Like we just laid in bed that night. Like they just gave up their like night and came over and brought food and their laughter and joy and service. It was incredible. So you guys are great. Yeah, it was super. And it was my birthday. Y'all brought me like so many cakes, so much ice cream. It was awesome. Which I guess so that makes me think of this other thing of you guys are in a community together in a part of the city. It does have lots of people in it. You're actually even on mission to coworkers and fellow engineers. What is that like being in a community where, and like, how does the community support you in your calling and your jobs and in the mission? I think in some ways it's been actually, honestly, very, very hard because of all the things we've already talked about. You know, people are very self-reliant. We do uh, live in a pretty affluent part of the town, you know, engineers uh, do pretty well for themselves. And so it is hard to find time in these people's lives to, to spend with us and to be able to start having these deeper conversations. And so it has been hard ground mm. uh, for us, but one way I've, I've seen God open the door for us to encourage one another is uh, because we work in you know secure environments, people can't just come into our office buildings. And so those in our missional community that don't work where we work, they've actually been really encouraging and starting to send us texts and, and asking us about uh, our coworkers and specific people we've been praying for. And that has really you know girded me up and encouraged me to hmm. to continue on in the work. I guess I would say like as a missional community, we have like some rhythms we all come around. We can all come around, even those who don't work with um, the people we're on mission to and uh, participate in those, like playing tennis and going out to like a local Mexican restaurant and eating together and playing games and mm. things like that. And that um, really, I think helps provide an alternate, like, setting to show what it means to live 
in the fullness of like what God's kingdom is and mm. like an abundant life to the people we're on mission to who are very self-reliant and kind of like have everything, but they also don't, they're also very needy. And in the midst of that, we get to see their need, like people who need friendship or community. And um, they may have like a successful life and a career, but they don't have friends or like people to share mm. more than just like what they're working on with. We were actually just talking about this last week, how it may not be necessarily like a pointed conversation that any of us bring up, but if we just continue, I don't know, living our lives the way that we're called to, eventually these people that are around us will see it and they'll, they'll start the conversation of, hey, well, why do you do this? Or, well, what does this mean? I hear you say this. So it's sort of a, a patience game mm-hmm. um, from all of us. And for those that aren't necessarily in the, the day-to-day on bringing people in to our, as our corporate mission, I guess you could say, just showing up or, or having a conversation or asking how it's going, just those small things to say like, hey, we're all there supporting the same yeah. goal. That's what helps. Yeah, I think that, yeah, being patient and it is true, like in a place where people don't have very many felt needs, or at least they don't, they're not clamoring around like I have all these needs. There is a, a patient endurance of just being a faithful presence of the gospel. And then like needs do come. Like, I think it's one of those harsh realities of life, but everyone becomes needy and they feel their need at some point in their life. That's a thing that happens to everyone, to each of us. And yeah, I think just being being patient and being a person that that speaks hope, but also is just like waiting to give an answer for the reason that you, for for the hope that you have. That's that's so huge. That's great, Sarah. Hey, Brad. I like to go back to the question you asked earlier about stereotypes. Yes, let's go. <laughs> I'm not in the same place as Chris. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm very analytical and have been told so, but have a lot. I'm very much guided by emotions to some degree and impulsive. And I think it, it makes it easier and harder in a way, Hmm. maybe easier to relate to my coworkers and like be present in the non, like what we're doing work wise, even just having a conversation with someone at lunch who's been working 14 16 hours a day yeah every day working on a project that is like not successful and they're trying to make something that's not working i can just see he's just weighed down and burdened by it and being able to tell him like your worth is like not in how well you're doing Mm. or like what you can achieve and then just seeing like relief come to his eyes Mm. like he just kind of gets quiet and says Thank you. I needed to hear that. I guess I got off the point a little bit. I, I think like it's challenging because it makes it harder because I don't maybe fit all the engineer stereotypes. It seems harder to do my job sometimes, but then it's also <laughs> easier in some respects because I feel like I can like passionately come alongside a coworker or like get really excited about something, kind of like run off on a on a like a project or um something we're talking about and just like dive into it headlong you know even seemingly against all the like 
well, is that like the best use of your time or whatnot? Like, look, let's look at like the most logical decision. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but mm-hmm. it, it makes it more enjoyable for me. So I feel like, yeah, I do try and use like the data, um, but definitely I'm very like emotionally affected by what is happening mm-hmm. in my work and like how successful something is or not, or like how exciting it seems. And my impulses like will kind of affect my day-to-day work a lot in that respect. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I see that in you for sure. Yeah. So you can't just say, oh, all engineers are just analytical, mental, no emotion. That doesn't hold up at all. Yeah. Or is even essential to to doing that, that vocation. I think that that emotion is actually a really essential part of what engineering is because there's passion behind everything that's in engineering. And so that I don't know. Excitement is important, mm-hmm. right? I don't think that we would have achieved nearly as much as we have in the aerospace industry if we didn't have people that were passionate and excited and a little flavor of every part of the spectrum. There are those analytical people and then there are the extremely chatty, I'm just going to throw all these ideas out here and maybe one of them will stick sort of people. Um, and it takes both in the engineering world. So you've got a Chris and you've got a Derek (laughs) and it makes the world go round. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Hmm. Anything else about engineering and and just kind of like the intersection of the gospel, your community, even church, anything else you guys want to share? My dad's an engineer and the normal rhythm of I would say a large percentage of an engineering person's life is like getting up, maybe having coffee, going to work, coming home and just completely turning your mind off and watching TV. Hmm. And I'd say that's something that personally I've struggled with feeling the need to do that instead of spending time in the word or with my community and that's something that I've definitely grown in in my, my personal walk over the years. But I think that's very common of the typical engineering person. And so encountering that in the workplace and just telling, I remember we were going to have Chris and Katie over for dinner. And they were like, you're having people over for dinner on a weeknight? That's what one of my coworkers asked me because it's weird. And it's, it's not the norm. And I think that that's one of the ways that we get to interact and bring Jesus to them is how we live a little bit differently in our rhythms and doing things on weeknights, which seems small, but engaging people outside of just the, we had lunch at work or whatever. I love that. Yeah. And that is, that's like, yeah, that's so funny that people noticed Yeah. What did that feel like when people noticed that your life was weird? Well, I think I sort of sat back and realized, yeah, now now that I think about it, when when my dad came home from work, he didn't even talk to us when I was a little kid. He like needed his time to chill. And I guess, yeah, that's weird. Um, (laughs) Breaking that, breaking that even in my own family and then seeing it. And I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird to know I was weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. But it's also been a good thing to 
start conversation as to like what what my real life is for. Mm. So it's been a small window to a few people that I work with. So hoping to continue that. But yeah, that is so great. In a way, along that line, you know, in my job being uh, very much about reducing variability and you know getting a process down. I think that I get so wrapped up in a routine or a process that to Sarah's point, I don't, I don't recognize how different my life is from the rest of the world. And I think because I don't, I'm not uh, prepared to talk about that and and talk about why my life is different and how it actually looks different from uh, everybody else. Because to me, I've been doing it for you know years and so it's just like it's normal to me and so like what Sarah said is very helpful uh, reminder especially for those of us that have walked this journey for a while that we do look different than the world and that's something we can um, speak about and be bold about how God has changed our our lives to because we're part of his family and because of his great love uh, for us mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I think it just kind of speaks to the to the huge need of God called you and, and gifted you guys and set this path before you that you'd be in these workplaces for the sake of the work that you're doing, like you guys were saying. Like we just you get to image God's creative character, but there's also like for this for a time like this where other people get to watch your life. Like those, those people, like it's not accidental, just like our neighbors aren't accidental or even our community isn't accidental. And so I'm just, yeah. So thankful I get to, to be a pastor to each of you and to see you guys live in community together, live on mission together, but also like, yeah, be in these, these places of work. Uh, it's amazing. So thanks for giving me that privilege. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for serving and loving us, Brad. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. This is all such good stuff. Hopefully, I gave you guys all a chance to share. But yeah, and thanks for for sharing your stories. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, and uh, if you guys ever want to write, you know, blog posts for Saturate the World, you could do that, and then we'll tell people this is the one-stop shop (laughs) for not drinking coffee alone. Well, drinking coffee alone is the best. So that part of your dad's r- routine sounds brilliant. <laughs> but maybe having friends in the middle of the week is also good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort. And our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.